I'm Kimberly Amici. Welcome to the Build Your Best Family podcast. This is a practical show to help you imagine, plan, and build your best family. We believe that the secret to having a happy family is not being perfect, but having purpose. Each week, I'll be sharing with you lessons I've learned and conversations I've had that will help you become who you want to be together. Today, I'm talking about creating a culture of faith in your home with Michael Kelly. Our family culture is developed by the rhythms and routines that we have in our home, those things that we do regularly, and what others can count on from us. All of these things are held together by our values, passions, and beliefs. For many families, their faith informs what they believe. As parents, we are the primary spiritual influence in our children's lives. And we can step into that role by helping them know and understand the Bible so that they can know, love, and understand God and His Son, Jesus. Incorporating our personal faith into our family life can sound a little bit overwhelming to many of us, but guess what? It doesn't have to be. This week's guest, Michael Kelly, believes that if you want to create a culture of faith in your home successfully, your practices need to be approachable, achievable, and sustainable. So he wrote The Whole Story for the Whole Family. It's a devotional guide that will equip parents to start teaching their children the Bible. It's those small, simple steps over time that create success, and Michael's book provides that with object lessons, digestible sections of scripture, and simple discussion questions. I really enjoyed this conversation because it was great to be reminded that culture is not a list of do's and don'ts or even checks on our to-do list, but an environment where we are empowered to thrive. Are you struggling to keep track of everything that's going on in your family? I get it. Managing everyone's expectations and schedules can be challenging. However, a regular family meeting can change that. These weekly check-ins enable you to approach each week with purpose and more connected to one another. If you need help getting started, download our free family meeting packet, which includes sample agendas and discussion topics. Go to www.buildyourbestfamily.com to get your copy today. Today, I'm talking with Michael Kelly. Michael is a husband and father of three who lives in Nashville, Tennessee, where he serves as the Senior Vice President of Church Ministries for Lifeway Christian Resources. He is also the author of Wednesdays Are Pretty Normal, A Boy, Cancer, and God, Boring, Finding an Extraordinary God in an Ordinary Life, and Growing Down. Hello, Michael. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, but it's it's really great to be here. Pleasure to be able to talk with you. Yeah, I'm excited. All right, so a question that we ask all of our guests is, what is your family known for? This is such an interesting question. I knew that you were going to ask, so I've spent a good deal of time thinking about this. I, I think if you asked my 16-year-old son, he would like to say it was his hair. <laughs> my, my 13-year-old daughter would like to say it was her volleyball skills. My, my 11-year-old son would probably say it's his uh, BB gun shooting ability. I, I think holistically, though, as a family, we're probably known for just our activity level. We, we do not do well. When there's not a when there's not a plan, when we don't yeah. have a, a plan of something going on, we just tend to you know we'll squabble and fight and get mad at each other. So even on vacation, we don't tend to vacation places where you sit. We we tend to go places where you do. Yeah. Uh, so probably that I think we we're we do a lot of lot of different activities. 
Yeah, I can totally relate to that. I know the hardest part about the restrictions that we're under right now is like not being able to plan for something that's going to be fun. Mm -hmm. A lot of the vacations we do are going places, seeing things, signing up for things, you know, and uh, we've had to do a lot less of that this year. Yeah, for sure. For sure. (laughs) Hanging in there. I know. It's such a weird time in in that respect. And it's weird when stuff, when things start to open back up. So I, yeah. I mean, I spent last Saturday in a, in a gym watching volleyball happen with girls all wearing masks on the <sighs> volleyball court. And then, you know, you're, you're sitting six feet away from the other single parents that are yeah. allowed to come to It's just, it's bizarre. It's a really, really strange time. Yeah. And it's different everywhere what you have to do. And so that's, it's just, it's so hard. I probably should do a whole podcast on what happens to your family culture when the things that define you are no longer available to you. I know for us, like hospitality is a real big one. I mean, we really had to change the way we connect and interact with people. You know, we have our bubble, but it's not the same, you know, like the travel that we love to do together and some of the activities have just been stripped away. So it's interesting to see what we're left with and how it defines our family. That feels like a really worthy topic. I, you know, I think even in you naming it that, is probably really helpful for people because I, I think generally most families would, would say, you know, obviously there, there are things that are different, but I, I think the temptation here is for us to, to, to sort of blame everything on the pandemic. And yeah. that, and that, you know, that that's fair because it certainly has, has been causal, but there is also something healthy in realizing, okay, the causation might've been the pandemic, but, but what's happening here is what you said, that the things that you traditionally define yourself by mm-hmm. have been taken away. And that has a really dramatic effect on us. And if we yeah. can just name it and recognize that that's what's happening, it helps us think more deeply about it for yeah. our families. Oh, for sure. Look at this. All right. I know what my next solo episode yeah, is going to be about. <laughs> for sure. That'd be, that'd be a good one. All right. So you're here to talk to us today about your book, The Whole Story for the Whole Family. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about it and why you were inspired to write it? So this is a family devotion book. And and we've been doing family devotions in the mornings around the breakfast table for over 10 years now. And it has just really dramatically shaped the way that we interact with each other, the way that we approach the Bible, really the way that we do things on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I wanted to write, I, I wanted to write something that was approachable and attainable for uh, a, a parent or a set of parents who really have a desire to play an active role in helping their kids grow spiritually, mm-hmm. but but just are having trouble kind of pulling the trigger, like just to get started. So if, if, if we could put something in that parent's hands that is encouraging to say, this, this is actually not, it's not rocket science. You just make a couple of choices and here's a tool that can help you get started. I think, I think it would be immensely helpful to be able to do that. So the, the yeah. format that it's, it's put together in really has been born out of our experience over the last 10 years about what's mm-hmm. worked really well for our family and then you know what what has been a catastrophic failure for our for our family good to know uh, yeah yeah so there's some of that in there too so the, the, it's uh, you know the, the devotions are organized in a, in a specific way every day so every day starts with with like a, a little object lesson or a game that you could mm-hmm. play in less than 5 minutes mm-hmm. and then there's a brief text that you read together 
And then there's a couple of paragraphs that explain the text. And then there's three or four discussion questions that, mm-hmm. that you add that the family asks each other. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, hopefully it, it adds up to maybe 15 minutes, 15 to 20 minutes that you would spend together around God's word at some point during the day. And I think once people see that, that, you know, you make some intentional choices to set this time apart, it really is a sustainable kind of pattern that you can mm-hmm. get into. It's that it's that getting started part that is is really, really difficult, I think. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know, I know that many of us try to compartmentalize sometimes our faith. And but you say uh, you a fam you want you want a family culture that is rooted in God's word so that it is in the constant background of everything that you do. Can you tell us a little bit about more, more about that statement? Yeah, I can. I, that statement to me is really born out of Deuteronomy chapter six. I mean, this is one of the, the one of the passages that I think speaks really directly to parents and the influence that they're supposed to have mm-hmm. over their families, over their kids. And in that passage, probably familiar to a lot of people that are listening, yeah. there's there's commands about the word of God, what you're supposed to do with the word of God. You know, you put it on your doorposts, but that's not all that you do. The Bible also says that you talk about it when you're coming and when you're going, and you talk about it when you're on the road. So that statement about a family culture is really trying to emphasize that I think it's a mistake for us as parents when we think that having a family devotion is the win. It's not. It's not the end game. It's It's the launching pad. So when you have that devoted part of, of time, it's more than just checking a box. What you're doing is establishing uh, a type of communication around God's word so that in all of the organic, natural conversations you're going to have during the day, those walking around times, that it's not unfamiliar and it's not weird at all to find yourself talking about what happened in your kids' days through the lens of the, of the Bible. But that starts with the foundation, I think, of having a set aside, mm-hmm. set aside time so that it can then grow into something that's bigger than the set aside time, mm-hmm. that the Bible becomes the constant backdrop to all those conversations that you have. Yeah, I like that you talk about the devotion not being the thing that you check off, because I think that there's also some, I mean, there's absolutely reason why we want to do things consistently, why it's important to take small t- steps over time as we create our culture. But I think when we, there's a freedom in saying, if I didn't get to check that box off, I'm not failing because it's a part of our culture. So if you are incorporating it to what you are doing, if you are, you know, talking about it as you're going through the day, like the Bible says, the culture is going to be much, much stronger than it just being a task list. Does that make sense? It does for sure. I mean, that's yeah. one of the reasons if people get the book, one of the reasons, one of the, one of the things that they'll find is for every week, there's only four devotions for a week. And that's again, out of our personal experience, mm-hmm. so every Friday, we spend every Friday that 15 or 20 minutes just praying together and saying things that we're thankful for, because mm, I that, love that. that is a good family rhythm for us to be able to get into. And hopefully you know, it's been this helpful image in my mind when I think about the culture of a family. You know, a culture for your family is uh, a lot like a set of glasses that you put on. So it's, mm-hmm. you know, the the culture is the the lenses through which you see everything else. Another way to say it is that that's kind of what a biblical worldview is. 
mm-hmm. so that you know the Bible, if you is is not going to have answers to every single specific question you have in life, and the Bible isn't trying to answer all those questions. It's trying to shape the way that we think and that we process information in the world and what's happening in our daily lives. I mean, that's what mm-hmm. we really want to get to yeah. is not just a specific set aside time, but the whole lens through which we view the whole world. Yeah. And I like that the devotion isn't a seven day a week thing because I, even as an adult, I don't want to do any Bible reading plan, although I am doing one right now, but I would say in general, I avoid reading plans that are seven days a week. Like I just, the weekends are different. My rhythm's different. How we interact as a family is different. And I just, I, I always fail. Like I always miss those weekend days and I feel the pressure to need to catch up. And I can imagine that some parents, when they think of creating a devotion time are like, I can't, I can't do it every day. Like seven Mm -hmm. days a week is hard to sustain. And if you're building culture, you need to create a system that's sustainable. And so I think this, this definitely fits the bill for sure. I hope so. That, I mean, that is the goal is, is sustainable, achievable and and approachable. You know, that's what we want to start with. So tell us a little bit more about how that practically this devotional can help parents who are not sure where to start, start. Yeah. I think part of it is uh, just making clear, this is what we're trying to accomplish on a given day. You know, Mm -hmm. it's very intimidating, I think, for a parent who's never read the Bible with their kids to just literally sit down with God's word Mm-hmm. and their children and say, okay, here we go. Genesis chapter one, verse, verse one. It's, it's a lot easier to have an on-ramp to that. And that's really what a devotion is. It doesn't take the place of God's word. It's an on-ramp into God's word. So it, with this, you know, we, we have intentionally tried to choo- choose passages of scripture that are not four or five chapters long. You know, you get enough that to where it explains contextually what's happening, but you know, you'll have seven, eight, ten verses, something mm-hmm. that is easy to read and and easy to understand and digest. And then hopefully enough explanation to kind of take some of the pressure off of parents to help them know, okay, I, I don't actually have to have a, a degree from a religious institution in order to do this. You know, I I can, mm-hmm. I can, I can do this, I can do this. And then also, I think just to encourage parents to know, not only can you do this, but the Lord is actually on your side to do this. Like he, he wants to help you do this. So again, hopefully just a, a tool that continues to, to push people, nudge people in that direction and provide an on-ramp to what the Lord already wants, wants them to be doing on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know I've seen in the description of your book, um, you talk about discipling your children. And so even though I've been in the church for a very long time, that does feel a little bit intimidating. Like maybe I don't know what I need to know or have what it takes. So can you just break down and really talk simply about what discipling our children means? Yeah, yeah. I mean, a disciple really at the core, a, a disciple is is a follower, is a, mm-hmm. is a learner. So in order to disciple someone, you really only need to be like one or two steps ahead of where, of where that person is, you know? And I think we probably are there for our kids. You know, we're, we're, we're none of us are, are experts in the faith, but we're probably mm-hmm. a little bit further along than our kids are. 
And so it just really takes a, a commitment to, to share with our children what it is that we uh, know and are learning about the Lord and help them take one step at a time as we ourselves are taking one step at a time. Mm-hmm. I think it's also helpful for us as parents to remember that just because you are discipling someone doesn't mean that you yourself cease to be discipled. Mm, so we, we're being discipled maybe by someone else in our lives, but certainly at a minimum by, by Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. So as we are learning, we are also bringing others along with us. And this is one of the beautiful things about being in a discipleship relationship. I know that, that I have experienced in, in trying to disciple my own kids the personal benefit to my own relationship with Jesus through that act. It is not uncommon, you know, for one of the kids to say something when we're reading the Bible together and for it to be really, really challengingly convicting mm. to me. I just, uh, one example, you know, recently we, we were in the gospels and, and Jesus makes this, this incredible statement about, you know, don't, don't just, love those people who love you. Even the pagans do that. that. That's, that, you know, that that's a bare minimum expectation, but love those who persecute you and pray for those mm-hmm. uh, who hate you and persecute you. And so I got an 11 year old that's sitting there who like many 11 year olds across the world right now, who is having a very difficult time with yeah. remote school and, and sometimes there and sometimes not and everything that that means. And, and he has one particular relationship in his life that is really challenging for him in that environment right now. And so for him to recognize that and say, oh, I, I need to be praying for this child. Man, that's, that is deeply challenging yeah. for, for me to identify people in my life that maybe I wouldn't consider my enemies, but they're certainly not people that I am wishing the best for yeah. over and over again. So yeah. he's helping me grow at the same time that I'm helping him grow, hopefully. Yeah. I thought you were going to say, and he was going to say, Dad, remember that yeah. guy that you didn't, <laughs> that you're not talking to anymore? <laughs> well, he very well could have said that too. Mercifully, he didn't. Because um, especially now, our kids with them home so much, they really do have a front row seat and they get to see all the stuff that we're struggling with and the, and the ways we're trying to overcome. And they really know if we're living, you know, like, what is it, you know, walking the talk, like, you know, they get, they get yeah. to say, Hey, you know, I see you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that's exactly right. Yeah. So besides challenging you as an adult, as a parent, what are the other impacts that you've seen on your family as you've been reading the Bible together? You know, I think there's some obvious ones, you know, the kids becoming more biblically uh, literate for them starting to understand some things about the Bible that I was really late in life and understanding, like it's been really neat for them to start putting together the pieces of the fact that the Bible is not, you know, this set of isolated stories, Mm -hmm. but the same theme runs through the entire Bible. And then to help them try and make connections between the Old Testament and the New Testament. That's been wonderful, wonderful for them to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I love, I, every so often, you know, you get this where something will happen during the day to one of the kids at school and they'll come home and we're trying to, you know, talk about this thing that has happened. And then there's the great moment of, of being able to say, now, did, do you remember what we read in the Bible this morning? Do, do you see that that has any relevance into what you encountered today? Yeah. And being able to to try um, to guide them to make those connections to real life, so hopefully they can they can do that themselves. 
And then one other benefit this this has been so cool to see that's happened in the last two years. You know, we've been doing this for quite a while now. And a couple of years ago, we we made the transition to where I, I stopped leading family devotion every day. And we have started to pass that on to the kids themselves. And so it's been so neat to see our, our children sit down with the Bible and a study aid and for them to just realize, I I, I can do this. I, mm-hmm. I, I can read the Bible and I can help people understand the Bible. So hopefully, you know, by God's grace, there's a generational impact that's happening here, that's happening here yeah. as well. Well, that's the first time I've heard that. I know that years ago we handed off family business to our kids. We'll do a family mm-hmm. meeting every week. And so, yeah. you know, everyone gets assigned jobs and they rotate and one opens us up in prayer. The other one reads the family mission statement and the other one runs the meeting and just even giving them that ownership and has been fantastic for our family, but I've never thought of doing it with the devotional time. Mm. Like I'm usually doing it at breakfast when I got the three of them eating, I have a captive audience. I go, all right, guys. Yeah. And I pull it out and I'm reading to them while we're like, you know, preparing for the day, which has worked for us. But I love the idea of possibly giving them that responsibility and allowing them to take ownership of that. Mm. Yeah. It's the same principle. I, I I love what you're saying about the family meeting. I haven't thought about doing it from that uh, respect. Yeah. I, sh- I should do more of that. Like somebody, what do you guys ought to be assigning the chores this week for what yeah. people? That's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah, that would <laughs> be interesting. Oh, man. All right. So I know for, for us, our family is just We've been very active in our local church, but, you know, doing all the things, volunteering, youth groups, you know, anything you could think of every time the doors were open, we were there. But then when everything shut down in March, we quickly realized that we were letting the church do a lot of the heavy lifting. We were letting, you know, they had such great connections with their youth leaders. They were, they were having great services and Friday evenings. And then we realized, oh my gosh, like we need to really step in and we need to be doing this work. And so... What encouragement do you have for other families that may find themselves in that same spot where they're saying, oh my gosh, we need to change this. We need to start taking a more active role. I think one thing is just recognizing that this is potentially one of the redemptive parts about the, about the pandemic. You know, one of the things I, I hope, and I don't think I'm alone in this, one of the things I hope that our kids remember about the pandemic is not just all the things that they lost. Mm-hmm. But the fact that, you know, for this year, we kind of rediscovered home together again, you know, and I think for a lot of parents, there is that realization of, of how little attention they, they had paid to everything that's happening inside of the home. And now, now we have the opportunity to be able to do that. So I, Mm -hmm. I think one thing that I, that I would say is, is that, is that this is a potentially a really redemptive part of the, Mm -hmm. of the pandemic. Yeah. Secondly, I would say I think it's a good and right thing to just recognize holistically that the spiritual growth of our kids is is really meant not just to be outsourced to the church, but something that we should be cooperating mm-hmm. with with the church that we're we're doing this thing that we're doing this thing together. And so that's a good and right thing too. And then you know another thing is is just hopefully that one of the things we can take from the period of pandemic are a few simple habits that we have developed over the course of time here that can actually carry into the future. And, mm-hmm. and one of those I hope really is for many parents, 
to, to have an increased desire to carry on with a sustained time in the word together they have as they have as a family. Mm-hmm. And then potentially one other thing I would say is, man, don't, you know, if you're a parent like that, that realizes that you, you feel like maybe you haven't done enough in there, don't beat yourself up too bad, too, yeah. too badly about it. It just accept, okay, well that maybe mm-hmm. that is the case. And then by God's grace, let's, let's just do one or two things that could mm-hmm. really, that could really make a, a significant change and then, yeah. and then carry on, you know? Yeah. Well, that's fantastic. And I think your book's going to allow a lot of families to be able to do that for sure. I hope so. That's kind of you to say. I hope people find it uh, really, really helpful and approachable. All right. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. It's my pleasure. Thank you. You can find Michael at michaelkelly.co. He's also on Twitter as at underscore Michael Kelly. I'll link to this and his books in the show notes. If you want to dig deeper into what we talk about on the podcast each week, check out the Build Your Best Family Facebook group. It's where we hang out with some fabulous women and we practice what we've learned. There's also encouragement, group coaching, and incredible resources there too. Remember, family culture is not about perfect. It's about purpose.